Hello, I'm Pastor Keith Babb III, and I want to thank you so much for tuning into the podcast of the Way Church of Tampa Bay. Our desire is that as a result of the word, that you no longer settle with simply coming to church, but you become the church. I pray that you enjoy this broadcast and that it challenges you, that it convicts you, and that it changes you. Thank you again, and let's enter into today's message. pray now, Lord, that our worship has been acceptable in thy sight. We pray now, Lord, that our worship has gone up to you like a sweet aroma. Perceive our worship now, and it's in Jesus' name. Hallelujah. Hallelujah such a sweet spirit of worship in this place this morning I pray wherever you may have found yourselves this morning that you made it an atmosphere of worship hallelujah do me a favor go quickly in your Bibles I want us to go to Psalm chapter 27 Psalm chapter 27 I want to look at verse number 14 I believe the worship has set the atmosphere for the word this morning. Psalm chapter 27, verse 14, and I believe our hearts are now tilled for the word to now be received. And the Bible declares this, I'm reading from the New King James Version of the Bible, wait on the Lord. That's why we shouldn't rush through worship, but we need to wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. And then David says this, wait, I say, on the Lord. Wait on the Lord. Be of good courage and he shall strengthen your heart. Wait, I say, on the Lord. I want you to be seated in the presence of the Lord. I want to minister for this subject this morning. Our perspective on waiting. Our perspective on waiting. We, we live in a culture that has despised the discipline of waiting. This culture that we find ourselves in has despised the discipline of waiting. From accelerated degree programs to express delivery. And watch this, even pre-pandemic, it was drive up and drive through everything. We've despised the discipline of waiting. This this world has created an environment where our desires are fulfilled on demand. What a sad tragedy. And therefore, where people have considered waiting inconvenient. Y'all don't like to wait because that's uh, inconvenience to you. We've considered waiting insignificant. I don't have time for waiting. And we've considered waiting irrelevant. Y'all, no, don't make me wait. And hear this, even more many believers have become irritated with waiting. What a sad tragedy. 2020 has been a reflection of how many have despised waiting. Many are tired of waiting for restrictions to be lifted. Many are tired of waiting on economic relief to come. And and many are tired of waiting for our normal lives to resume. Believers, I'm talking to believers this morning. Y'all have become irritated with waiting. And from and I, I want to believe the reason we've become irritated with waiting is because we've lost our focus while waiting. And, and even more, it's whom we expect the fulfillment of our waiting to come from. It, it's off. It's off. 
This is both disheartening and damaging. Why? Why? Why does Pastor Keith say it's disheartening and damaging? Because your posture in waiting will determine if the Lord is pleased. If you want God to be pleased with you, you've got to get your posture in order while waiting. Consider what the latter portion of Psalm 52, 9 declares. Psalm chapter 52, verse 9. The Bible says, in your presence of the saints, I will wait on your name. And then the latter portion says, for it is good. The phrase, it is good, in our text is the Hebrew word, tab. And one translation of this word is pleasing. So God says, to wait on me is pleasing to me. It pleases the Lord when we wait on him. Yet many, to include believers, would watch this, rather please themselves than please the Lord because the fulfillment of their wants is more important than waiting. Many of y'all get so, get so caught up in what you want that you'll try to fulfill it on your own merit. And you say, God's will for me to wait? No, my wants are more important. As believers, it's important to note that God has a will for our waiting. Somebody need to put that in the comment box. God has a will for my waiting. The world accommodates, watch this, our inability to wait in order that we might miss out on what the Lord wants to do in our lives as a result of waiting. Yeah, that, that, there's something that God does in the life of a believer when we wait. And the world is trying to negate what God is doing by accommodating our inability to wait. Because hear this, God responds to our waiting. That's Psalm chapter 40, verse 1. God revives those that wait. That's Isaiah chapter 40, verse 31. And God rewards our waiting. That's Psalm 37, 9. Yet even more, just as God rewards our waiting, I want you to hear me, God also provides retribution for those that do not wait. Uh, somebody say there's a price to pay. Uh, there, there, there's a price to pay. This is why waiting must be a discipline that is perfected by the believers. I've got to perfect this discipline called waiting. Therefore, every believer must be able to deal with the weight the weight, W-E-I-G-A-C, of waiting. Over the course of this sermon series, we'll examine the weight of waiting so that we can deal with it in a manner that pleases the Lord. We'll examine our patience while waiting. We'll examine our perseverance in waiting. And we'll examine our promise after waiting. But this morning, I want to examine our perspective of waiting. Why, 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 why do I want to examine our perspective of waiting? Because one of the reasons that many believers fail to wait on the Lord is because they failed to have the right perspective of waiting. Many view waiting through the lens of the world rather than through the will of the Lord. And this is why we need to have the right perspective of waiting so that the Lord can be pleased with our waiting. We've got to ask God to, to cause us to wait. This is where we find David in our foundational text this morning. And I just want to look at something really quick with Psalm 27. If you examine the text, David begins to reveal the character of God. We see that in verse number one. Then he speaks of his confidence in God. That's verses two through five. Then he has this cry to God. This is verses six through 13. And then watch this. All of this gives him the ability to find comfort in God. Uh, somebody say the right perspective uh, to wait. And, and this is where uh, it, this perspective allowed God to be pleased with David's waiting. Yet it's important to note that we can know the character of God. You can have confidence in God and you can even cry to God and still not wait on God. This is why David had to admonish his own self in the last verse to wait on the Lord. Therefore, the question is, what was it concerning David's perspective on waiting that caused him to wait on the Lord? I believe we can find comfort in waiting on the Lord, as David did in Psalm 27, if we can take hold of the same perspective. So here's what I want us to do. Let's examine the text so that we can please the Lord with our perspective on waiting. I'm just looking at verse number 14. We ain't got to go no further than that. The first portion of verse number 14 says, wait on the Lord. I want you to stay right there. Uh, waiting is a prerequisite 
to the promises of God. If I, if I don't wait, God is not, the, God is not a genie. So, so, so waiting is a prerequisite to the promises of God. Somebody say, I've got to wait. So for every desire that God has for us, we must respond to God's demand to wait for those desires to be fulfilled. So here's the first thing I want you to know. There's a demand on my waiting. There's this demand on my waiting. If you're taking notes, I want you to write that down. There's a demand on my waiting. And one of the reasons that many believers have been denied from what God has promised over their lives is because they fail to obey God's demand to wait. Stay with me. This is why our text references to wait on the Lord. I don't know if anybody's looking at their Bible right now, but in your text, it should have Lord all capitalized. I'm going to teach for a little bit. Wherever you see Lord with all capital letters in the Bible, it signifies, watch this, the authority of God. So this is beyond the re- relational nature of God. God ain't, try to, ain't trying to comfort your feelings in this moment. Y'all know sometimes God will comfort our feelings. This is not the relational God. This is beyond the redemptive God. This ain't the God that's trying to pull me out of the miry clay. This is beyond uh, the relational God. This is beyond the redemptive God. This is the ruling nature of God. When, whenever we see Lord, he's put a demand on what he's saying. God is not asking us to wait. He expects us to respond to his authority and wait. Somebody say, I got to respond. Here's what I'm trying to say. It was the authority of God that demanded Noah to construct the ark. That's in Genesis 7, 9. You'll see Lord all capitalized. It was the authority of God that demanded Moses to confront Pharaoh in Exodus 7, 7 and 10. It's the authority of God. And even when Moses said, what, I, I can't even speak well, he had to respond to the authority of God. It was the authority of God that demanded Samuel crown David king in the first Samuel chapter 13, verse 14. Y'all remember when the prophet Samuel tried to cry over Saul and God says, get your behind up and anoint David king. It was the authority of God. And hear this. Their response was not introspection, but it was immediate obedience. And many times when God puts a demand on our life, we want to give God all kind of excuses why we can't obey. And God says, no, this ain't one of them things that's up for discussion. It's a demand on it. And this is why 1 Samuel chapter 15 verse 22 declares, to obey is better than sacrifice. Therefore, the question you got to ask yourself is, how well do I respond to the authority of God? Because if you're unwilling to wait, then you've rebelled against his authority. I want you to stay with me. And why? Y'all probably say, okay, Pastor Keith, I done disobeyed a whole bunch of times. But I want you to know something. Your inability to respond to God's demand for you to wait is witchcraft. Somebody put that in the the comment box. My inability to wait is witchcraft. Oh, y'all don't like that. And, and Pastor Keith ain't just saying something to, to sound real deep, okay? First, I mean, in, the, in just the next verse, the Bible says, for the rebellion is as sin of witchcraft and stubbornness as iniquity and idolatry. Somebody needs to stop dealing in witchcraft and just wait. Because hear this, your inability to wait on God to send your spouse is witchcraft. Y'all know how y'all... I'm sorry, you, you, God told, he, told you he'll send you, but you done started you a little dating app, okay? That date, it's witchcraft. I'm, I'm telling you, now this is if God has spoken this to you now. Your inability to wait on God to supply that need is witchcraft. Oh, y'all don't like that. God ain't never tell you to ask your mama for that money. He says, wait on me. And your inability to wait on God to speak is witchcraft. It's witchcraft. You, you've got to ask yourself, what am I unwilling and unable to wait on God for? I, I've, I've got to do this level of introspection and say, God, what's in me? What, what, what desire do I have that I'm unwilling or unable to wait on you for? Because that very thing will keep you in witchcraft. Oh, our perspective must be that waiting is not simply the response of the believer, but my perspective must be that waiting is required of the believer. It's it's required of me. And, And why 
is waiting a demand of God. You may be saying, well, well Pastor Keith, you, you, God got to know that I got needs. The Bible says that it's better for me not to burn, get married rather than burn with lust. That's why I just set up that profile. Pastor Keith, what I want you to know something. Why is waiting a demand of God? Because waiting, hear this, ensures that we remain in the will of God. I don't just want to get the right, the, any husband. I want the right husband. I want the one that God's for God's will for my life. So when God says wait, he's not trying to keep you from anything that he does not want to provide for you. He simply wants you to remain in his will. That, 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 that's why it's significant. We are demanded to wait. Watch this until God gives directions. Somebody needs to put that in the comment box. We're demanded to wait until God gives directions. And somebody probably saying, oh, Pastor Keith, I, I don't hear God like that. Maybe God says, sit your behind down to somebody who has a level of wisdom can give you some directions from God. Maybe you just need to hold your horses until you get into the sanctuary. God says, I'll give you directions there. I've got to wait on God until God gives me directions. And this is why Psalm 37, 23 says that the steps of a good man are ordered by the Lord. Therefore, we obey God's demand for us to wait so that our steps might be ordered. I, I want God to order my steps. I don't know about y'all, but I want to remain in his will. And watch this. It takes, it takes only one step outside the will of God to get myself in a whole bunch of trouble. And then God got to do all this miracle working to get me out of a place that he never desired for my life. And God says, just wait on me. This is why David had to tell himself two times, wait on the Lord. And hear this, many believers, our desire must be always we want God to go before us. But those that don't wait cause ourselves to go before God. And hear this, there is too much at stake when we move before God. I, 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 I don't want to move before God because watch this, I lose my protection when I move before God. I lose my level of provision when I move before God. Let alone I lose the level of proclamation or his direction in my life when I move before God. Somebody say, wait on God. So here's the sad tragedy. When we're unwilling to wait, we operate in witchcraft and we find ourselves outside the will of God. This is why our perspective on waiting must be that waiting is a demand on the life of a believer. So the first thing I want you to know, the reason why we wait, the kind of perspective that I got, I know God promised it to me, but I've got to put myself, even when the prophet prophesied over your life, even when God sends his word through to you through his word or through a dream or some revelation, I've got to make sure that I posture myself. I know you want to jump. I know you want to buck. I know you want to run, but you better wait on God all right? because it's a demand on my life. Here's the next portion of um, Psalm 27, verse 14. It says, be of good courage. All right, so, so we don't wait aimlessly. Y'all know passively, but we wait in anticipation. All right? Notice what David says in our text after he says, wait on God. He says, be of good courage. And this word courage in our text is the Hebrew word amets. And one definition of this word is to be alert or in anticipation of what is to come. Uh, in other words, there's a required disposition of waiting. Here's my second point. We've got to know our disposition while waiting. Uh, why is this significant? Because your disposition will determine your perspective on waiting. Here's what I'm trying to say. Anxiety would, would determine your perspective on that doctor's visit. Let your behind be so wrapped up in anxiety, it changed how you feel about going to the doctor. Apathy will determine your perspective on that bill that's due. Uh, I know I got a check coming about four weeks. I'm just going to put that to the side. It will change your perspective on that bill that's due. Matter of fact, it'll change your perspective on that bill that's past due. Apathy, apathy. And apprehension will determine your perspective on that help that was offered. God could have sent you that, sent, sent that help, 
But because you're so nervous, you're so apprehensive, you miss out on what God sent you. Somebody say, my disposition matters. My disposition matters because your disposition will dictate your perspective. Therefore, the question we got to ask ourselves is, how am I waiting? That's a critical question. It's not that I just wait. And, and I just wait on God. I'm twiddling my fingers. I'm, I'm nervous. I'm, I'm calling somebody. I'm doing all. No, it matters how I wait. I know I may have got out of the frame. I'm sorry, y'all. This is good to me. All right? Because the waiting on God is never a place of passivity. Stay with me. It's never a place where I'm just passively waiting. I'm just going to sit here till God move. And I know God going to move because I trust him. No, it's not passivity. But it's always in a place of prayer. Ah, somebody say prayer, prayer. Because it's necessary while waiting on God to posture ourselves in a place to be watches, both sensitive to the move of God and to the mouth of God. Oh, I hope y'all just heard what I said. Whenever I'm waiting, I always want to be in a posture where I'm sensitive, watch this, to the move of God. I've got to know when God's hand is beginning to shift some things. And I've also got to be sensitive to the mouth of God. And that place is found, watch this, in prayer. And if you aren't in prayer, then you aren't waiting on God. Y'all know how some of y'all get a prophecy, sow a seed, and think you're going to get what the prophecy said, you're not waiting. I'm sorry to tell you. I know you dance. I know the pastor said, run around the church three times and God going to do it. But if you are not in prayer, you are not waiting. I'm sorry to tell you. Some of y'all just thought y'all had what was coming for you. Not so. All right. This is why, watch this. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse six. First Thessalonians chapter five, verse six. Notice what the Bible says. The Bible says, Therefore, let us not sleep as others do, but let us watch and be sober. Stay with me, because we will miss God if we do not position ourselves to see and sense God. And that disposition is manifested in prayer. The most intimate place that you can find yourself is in prayer. The most sensitive place in the spirit, watch this, is in prayer. This is why Jesus would always, watch this, steal away and find himself, watch this, in prayer. He always wanted to be sensitive. And this is why, y'all know if you would ever see throughout the Bible or throughout the Gospels, the Bible says, Jesus would say, I must need go through Samaria. Or he would say, we must go to this place. Or this, because God, Jesus was always a man that was in prayer. So he was always sensitive to the move and the mouth of God. The reason why some of y'all just floating around in this world is because you're not sensitive to the move and the mouth of God. You don't find yourself in prayer. This is why I'm going to say something and you're not going to like it. This is why folk will always schedule counseling sessions and they got to be in counsel because they're not in prayer. This is the reason why folk will always be the one that call you week after week after week because they don't find themselves in prayer. The one that's always aimlessly going about, don't know what's next, they have not found themselves in prayer. Because as we responding, waiting, wow, watch this. I, I've got to also make sure that I can sense God in the move and the mouth of God. And that place is found in prayer. And even more, beyond us being able to seek God and be sensitive to God, we also got to have this disposition of being sure of God. Y'all heard what I just said? Not only should I be sensitive to God, not only should I seek God while I'm waiting, but I've also got to be sure of God. All right? We've got to be confident that God will respond with his works. Look at this word courage again in our text. It refers to the word steadfast. Therefore, our disposition must be in like manner to 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verse 58. The Bible says, be steadfast, unmovable, always abounding in the work of the Lord, knowing that your labor is not in vain. We can be steadfast in our waiting because we can be sure that we are waiting is not in vain. You know, when the Bible talks about this man being tossed to and fro, 
by every wind of doctrine. And the Bible says, hey, and, and then the Bible also speaks about if I, if I don't have this level of faith, then I, if I don't believe that he's a rewarder of them that diligently seek him, I'll never receive what I'm asking God for. I've got to be sure that God will move. Ah, you might as well wait and not, um, you might as well not wait if you're going to worry or believe that you won't see his works. I heard it said like this before. If you're going to wait, why worry? If you're going to worry, why wait? Our disposition must declare, while I wait, I expect to see the works of God. Why is this significant? Because your faith in your waiting will determine if you will see the fruit of your waiting. Did y'all hear what I just said? Your faith in your waiting will determine if I will see the fruit of what I'm waiting on. Ah, this is why Hebrews 11 and 6, I just made mention of this, but without faith, it's impossible to please God. For he who comes to God must believe that he is and that he is a rewarder of those that diligently seek him. If we're going to wait on deliverance, we must be confident that we're going to see the work of deliverance in our lives. If we're going to wait on our healing, oh, and I got somebody that's going to talk about that this morning. I've got to be confident that I'm going to see God's work of healing in my life. If I'm going to wait on my supply, I've got to be confident that I will see the works of God's supply in my life. If we're going to wait, why worry? If I'm going to worry, why wait? We must be confident that we will see the work of provision in our lives because our disposition while waiting will determine our perspective on waiting. It, it matters how I'm waiting. Somebody put that in the comment box. It matters how I'm waiting. That's why it requires this disposition, knowing that God will move. And you don't know that God will move until you posture yourself to be sensitive to the move of God. I hope y'all stand with me. And not only that, let's look at the last, this, this next portion of verse um, um, 14. The Bible says, and he shall strengthen your heart. As we wait on God to work, God uses waiting to work on us. Yes. I hope y'all just caught what I, as we wait on God to work, God is wait, using waiting to work on us. Because God uses waiting to manifest his will in our lives. In other words, God has a desire for our waiting. That's my third point. He desires, his desires for waiting. This is why our foundational text says, he shall strengthen your heart. And consider the progression of our text. The impartation of power does not come until we posture ourselves to wait. This is why our perspective on waiting must be that God's will be done in our lives. He doesn't make you wait to punish you. He doesn't make you wait to pick on you. He doesn't. He wants you to wait so that his power might be imparted into you. Somebody say his will be done. Ah, we love to say thy will be done, but y'all don't want to wait. Therefore, the question we must ask ourselves is how much do we desire for the Lord? Watch this to fulfill his desires in our lives. How much do I desire? Not, not your desires. I know he'll give you the desires of your heart. I'm talking about how much do you desire for God's desires to be fulfilled in your life? He, it ain't about the house for him. It's about your holiness. It's not about that, that, that nice little seat that you can sit in at the job. It's about your sanctification. He's trying to do something. Because it's one thing for the Lord to fulfill our desires, but it's a whole other thing for the Lord to fulfill his desires in us. We, and here's the problem with a lot of church folk. We go to church for God to fulfill our desires. We worship this morning not for his desires in our life, for our desires. We praise and run around and sow seeds not for his desires, for our desires. And God says, okay, you don't want to sow and get your desires here. You want to worship? Now I'm going to cause your behind to wait. He says, I'm going to make you wait. And this is why Philippians 2.13 says, for it is God who works both in you both to will and do. Watch this, for not your good pleasure, for his good pleasure. That means you can't work for him until God does the work in you. We got a lot of folk think they do want to work for God. But God says, no, I need to do this intricate work in you. And the only way I'm going to get it accomplished is by waiting. Oh, wait, I say on the Lord. Even more, God uses waiting to do a work in us, but even more, he, does a, he uses waiting to work out some stuff in us. 
What, what do I mean? There's many times that God can't use believers because we fail to allow waiting to do a work in us or work some stuff out of us. What, what am I trying to say? Maybe that attitude is still in you because you did not wait on God. Maybe that anger is still in you because you did not wait on God. And maybe that addiction that still has you bound, it still has a hold of you, is because you did not wait on God. And consider James 1 and 4. I ain't just talking. James chapter 1, verse 4. The Bible says, but let patience, somebody say waiting, have its perfect work, that you may be perfect, complete, and lacking nothing. Waiting has a work that it wants to do in us. And the good news is, is that work is for our good. So this is why I've got to make sure I have the right perspective of waiting. It's not that God is trying to keep me from my desires. God is just saying there's an intricate work that I got to do that's not going to come from, watch this, the laying on of hands. I've, I've got a work that I want to do in you that's not going to come from getting anointed your head with oil. I've got a work that's not going to come through the 24-hour prayer vigil. But God says there's, there's a work I want to do, and it's in waiting. God says he wants to work for our good. That means the good work that God wants to complete in us, watch this, is dependent upon our waiting. The Bible says this good work that I've begun in you, he's faithful to complete it. But God says I'm only faithful to complete it based on your faithfulness to wait. Oh, we don't like that. Therefore, our perspective must be God fulfill your desires in us as we wait. I want you to hear this. We're not able to bear the weight of waiting when we have the wrong perspective of waiting. You'll never be able to bear this weight of waiting if you have the wrong perspective. You'll give up too fast. You'll find the wrong thing to substitute what God is trying to give you if you never have the right perspective. And herein lies the reasons why many fail to wait on the Lord, because they did not equate waiting with the will of God. (sighs) Y'all know we done messed folk up. I've heard too many preachers say, God's going to do it right now if you run around three times. God's going to do it right now if you sow this seed according to this word. And then we get so frustrated with God when it don't manifest. And God says, you got to change your perspective on waiting and know that God waiting is the will of God for my life. Ah, Because many, watch this, it's a calling for us as believers to wait on him. We're called. Therefore, our perspective must be waiting is a demand on the lives of, our, of us as believers. It's a demand on my life. Waiting requires the right disposition. I don't wait passively, but I wait in prayer. And then God has a desire for waiting in our lives. I've, I've got to know that because the benefit of waiting is only realized when we can bear the weight of waiting. David had the right perspective of waiting. And this is why he ends verse 14 of our foundational text with these words. He says, wait. I say on the Lord. Some versions of uh, of this um, says, yes, I wait. In other words, the proper perspective of waiting requires our own declaration to wait. What do I mean? God wants us to get in a place where he doesn't have to demand waiting, but we, we, we willingly wait. God wants us to get in a place where God doesn't have to chastise us into waiting, but that we walk into waiting. God wants to get us into a place where we willingly wait. So David has to tell himself, wait, I say on the Lord. Ah, Juanita Bynum said it this way. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on the Lord. Because when you can declare with your own willingness to wait, it's when the weight of waiting is lifted. Y'all know your mama can tell you some stuff and it's a weight. God can tell you some stuff and it's a weight. But when I can tell my own self, the weight of waiting is lifted. And God says, I need you to make your own declaration and declare that I don't mind waiting on the Lord. Let us go to God in prayer. I don't know what you're waiting for. I I don't know what God promised you. But God says the fulfillment, watch this, the prerequisite of that promise is waiting. God says, I need you to find yourself in wait. Father, we thank you. I thank you, God, for that man, that woman, that's struggling now with the weight of waiting. 
God, there's somebody that's been prophesied something over their life. That, that's one that know they heard your voice and they're struggling, God, wondering when it's going to come to pass. But God, you said waiting is required of every believer. So God, lift the weight of waiting from our lives. God calls us to know that it's a demand on our lives. It's not the relational God. It's not the redemptive God, but it's the ruling nature of God that tells us to wait on you. God will respond to your authority because many of us have tried in our own means to fulfill what you've spoken of our lives. And watch this, God. Many of us not knowingly have found ourselves bound in witchcraft because we've rebelled against the demand of waiting. And God, many of us are trying to make it happen with our own means and we find ourselves now outside your will. The provision, God, that you wanted to give us for that promise, God, we lost it. God, that protection, God, while we wait, God, we've lost it because we rebelled to your demand to wait. Forgive us, God, now we pray. I pray, God, repentance over someone that is taking your promises into their own hands. Help us today, God, we pray. God, but we'll respond in obedience. For obedience is better than sacrifice. And God, we thank you now, God, that we got to find ourselves in the right disposition. Anxiousness won't get us there, God. Apathy won't get us there, God. Apprehension won't get us there, God, but we need to find ourselves on the altar in the place of prayer. God, we want to be sensitive to the move and to the mouth of God. And God, that place is only found in prayer. God, we'll pray while we wait. God, we'll pray, God, as we wait. We'll, we'll pray, God, after we receive the word. God, we'll pray until the word becomes manifest. God, we'll find ourselves in prayer because we don't want to miss you, God. And God, that place, God, where we won't miss you, God, is in prayer. And God, while we're waiting, God, we'll be confident that you'll move, knowing, God, that we shall see the goodness of the Lord in the land of the living. Your works will manifest, God, as we wait. And God, we thank you, God. God, despite the demand, God, even despite this disposition, God, God, we know, God, that waiting requires, God, this declaration. God, knowing, God, that you are the same today, yesterday, and forevermore. God, we trust you'll do it. God, help us, God, matter of fact, God, to willingly declare that we'll wait on you. God, we know, God, there's a work you want to do in us. So, God, we receive those desires. God, it's one thing, God, for us to fulfill our desires, but God, we need you to fulfill your desires in us. Manifest your desires, God. We'll let waiting do a work on us that we might declare. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting. I don't mind waiting on you, Lord. And for every believer that believes and that has now changed their perspective on waiting, somebody say thank God and amen. Hallelujah. 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 Hey, I'm, I, I want to do something at this time. I'm going to do something a little bit different, but I want to call up Miss Avera Ash. This is a young lady, and I consider her young because God has kept her. God has met, watch this, added years to her life. There's still somebody saying, Pastor Keith, I hear what you're saying, but I'm still struggling with this word. The Lord allowed her to wait until he moved. And I wanted to share her own words, and then I'll pray and move on with the rest of the service. I want to give God the praise, and I want to give him the thanks, and I want to give him the highest praise, hallelujah, because I don't have, God didn't have to keep me. And my struggle started in 2014. And it has been a long struggle. But as the days, the months, and the years go by, it's getting better. And I have the tendency when new doctors come around me, or new people, I get 
a little upset. But God had always put a, another young lady, Deacon Cindy, in my life to keep me on track when I feel that things is about to close in. It's just, I just want to thank him for that. And now I just want to bring you guys up to date with my struggle. It wasn't one counselor. It wasn't two counselors. It was three counselors. The first one was fatal. It was hard. But God gave me a lot of instructions. And I was obedient to them. And when I couldn't, felt that I couldn't pray on, he had me a ram in the bush, Deacon Cindy. She kept praying. She kept giving the reports. She, all I can do is just turn to her and say, Dee, whatever congregation I was at, I'm like, let the pastor know. And she, I mean, I would not, I just thank God for her. And I thank God for the way. Because a lot of you guys, we started out at New Dawn. And I met my pastor as today from New Dawn and his wife. And they has been a part of my life since I've been in Tampa. It don't seem over 10 years, but it has been that. And I just want to know, let you guys know where I'm at today. From stage four terminal, Codian Council, when it was, I done passed my years. Uh, what the time they gave me, it ain't no more that time. It's new time. Then it came back in me in 2017 in my liver, and they told me they had to remove over 30%. But when everything was over, it was more than 30, but I'm still here. Then it hit me again, 2019, in my lungs. And that's when I just made, had a made-up mind. I say, D, I don't want everybody to know about this time. Just who God instruct me to tell. And I just trusted him. I just like, this gave up. I'm like, God, you done brought me this far. And one thing about when God put the right person in your life, they are able to remind you of what you done told them. I'm not. And when I found myself weary, she's like, what did you say? I'm like, that's true. And then I had to snap myself back to reality. So I did come in contact on the 21st of October. A new doctor came in, and I was feeling kind of some type of way. But she made a sound, and I knew I had to straighten up. She made that sound, and I looked over at her, and I heard the doctor. And what came out that doctor's mouth, I couldn't believe it. And he went to showing me on papers. And I understood it. That was the first time I understood my journey. And he went to telling me in all, not one area, not they see this, they see that, in all areas, coding, liver, lungs, I'm free. I'm free. And I thank God for it. Hallelujah. Hallelujah. I, I pray for the person who says I'm struggling to wait, that you receive strength from Miss Alvera's testimony. Three bouts of cancer. I know people who have given up after one diagnosis, but to receive three, she said, I'll wait on God. And I want you to see something. She said it started in 2014. We're on the heels of 2021. Seven years, the number of completion the good work that he begun in her. God promised that he'll complete it. And that was as a result of her waiting. Amen. We love you, Miss Ivera. We're praying for you. But you're a testimony and strengthening and encouragement to us all. Amen. Somebody says, I need to know God. And I haven't given my life to Christ. If that's you, it's a good day to give your life to Christ. Somebody saying, I want that kind of testimony. I want to know God in that way. If that's you, I want you to know you. God, God is with open arms ready to receive you. The Bible declares his mercies are new every morning. That means this is a morning that God's love has been extended to you. And you may be saying, how do I get my life right with God? How do I have a testimony like Miss Alvera? 
All you got to do is this. The Bible says, if you can confess with your mouth and believe in your heart, you shall be saved. What am I confessing? That I'm a sinner in need of repentance and that I need a savior to save me. What else am I confessing and believing? That Jesus Christ is that only savior. John 14, 6 says, I'm the way, the truth, and the life. No one comes to the Father but by me. I've got to have, he's that Savior. I know that he died on the cross for my sins. He was in a grave and then he got up with all power. And then what else am I confessing and believing? That God is Lord over my life. Not only do I need a Savior, not only is he the right Savior, but as Miss Alvera said, I'd listen for his instructions. And when I hear his instructions, I heed them. If you can allow the Lord to lord over your life, the Bible says you're saved. If you made that declaration this morning, we rejoice with you. Matter of fact, the Bible says heaven rejoices when one comes. So we thank God for your confession. We thank God for what you're believing in your heart. And here's what I want you to do. I want to make sure that your election and salvation is sure. So email us at churchoffice at waytampabay.org so that somebody can connect with you. We want to make sure that you walk out this journey in the way that you should do. And the Bible declares, I want you to know, we don't live in this journey alone. We've got to be with a fellowship of believers, and we want to help you do that. And not only that, and I'm going to be out your way, you may be saying, I want to connect with this body. I, I, I don't know who's in that church, but I know I need to be in that church with those um, group of believers. I'd love to be your shepherd. I'd, we'd love to be your local body of faith. And if you say, I want to connect with the Way Church of Tampa Bay, I want to be a member, hear this. Send an email also to churchoffice at waytampabay.org and somebody will connect with you. Matter of fact, I'll give you a call personally, and then we'll tell you how you can be in this journey with us together. Amen. Hey, I love y'all, and I know um, MIT Rondell is coming up now, but I want to say this. Do me a favor and pray for Miss Ozzy Jackson. Pray for Mr. Larry. And then I also want you to pray for Tracy Jacobs. Ms. Ozzy has surgery recently, so let's lift her up in prayer. Tracy has surgery recently, so let's lift her up in prayer. And Mr. Larry was admitted to the hospital on Friday, so let's lift them all up in prayer, knowing that they're in the hands of the great physician. And I'll say this, and she'll reiterate it. Hey, this is the last day to early vote. I don't try to get into political stuff on the pulpit because the pulpit is not for political stuff. It's for the proclamation of God's word. But I feel in my heart to ensure, hey, that we take care of our civic duty. All right, Joseph, Joseph and Mary paused on their journey while Mary was carrying Jesus to be counted in the census. All right, she understood the importance of uh, making sure that she upheld her civic duty. So you do likewise. If you're eligible to vote, you're registered to vote, please vote. All right, and here's who I'm telling you to vote for. MIT Rondell, you can repeat this. Okay, vote according to your faith. Vote according to the Father's heart. You won't know it if you're not in prayer. All right, and vote according to who most resembles and manifests the fruit of the Spirit. All right, y'all know what the fruit of the Spirit is? Love, long-suffering, patience, that kind of stuff. Galatians 5, verse 22. All right, if you don't know, look it down. See which one of them look like the fruit of the Spirit. All right, that should make some sense to you. And then vote in that manner. Amen. I love y'all. And at this time, let us receive MIT Rondell. I remember growing up and throughout the years, I would ask my mom for certain things. You know, when I was younger, I would say, mom, can I have this candy? And she would say, not right now. Uh, as I got older, I asked her if I can go to the movies with my friends. She would say, not right now. And so waiting is one of those things we're always instructed to do. And so I'm so thankful for Pastor Keith that he instructs us how to wait. We always are told to wait but we're never told how to wait. And so if you're like me, I know this week on our podcast, when it's uploaded later this week, I'm gonna go back and read that and listen to it while I clean my house or wash my dishes, just to make sure that I know what God is saying as it uh, applies to waiting. We do have a lot of a few announcements. As Pastor Keith said, today is the last day for early voting. Pastor Keith is encouraging all those connected to the way to make their vote count. He has encouraged us to vote based on our faith, according to the heart of the Father, and who mostly displays the fruits of the Spirit. 
Virtual Children's Church is coming back again November 15th, 12.30 p.m. We will have our monthly virtual children's church. Parents, if your youth are ages 4 through 11, make plans to join us via Zoom. Um, our lesson, it will be fun and interactive. And so we want your children to attend so that they can get the word in a format that's formatted for them. Our final semester of the year for our poor groups has come to a close. We've talked about Psalms, this poor group. It was so rich. We pray that you were uh, discipled. We pray that the knowledge of God was developed in you and that you created a deeper relationship with those in your groups. We will start our new semester of classes in January of 2021, and we're looking to improve your experience in your poor groups. Lastly, we do have lessons from our first lady. Although we will not be doing our poor groups for the rest of the year, that does not mean we won't study the word completely. Join us on Thursday, October 5th at 7 p.m. via Facebook Live as we kick off lessons from our first lady. Lady Serena will be sharing some biblical truths with us each week during the month of November, so tune in weekly. I invite you to tune in and share and like and interact with us virtually via Facebook Live. If you know Lady Serena, she is one of the best teachers out there. I may be a little biased, but I'm just telling you what it is. You're going to learn a lot and you're gonna get a different perspective, so make sure that you tune in. It is giving time. We do have a few ways for you to give. The Bible instructs us not to give out of necessity. Don't give so that you can be blessed or that you can receive, but give as God has laid on your heart. You can give two ways, cash app, the dollar sign, the way church of TB, or you can give at um, www.waytampabay.org. And we will close with uh, Romans chapter 1, verse 7. May grace and peace to you from our Father and the Lord Jesus Christ be with you always. Amen. I'm confident that you didn't stumble upon this podcast by accident because God is sovereign. And whenever our sovereign God sends us a message for a reason, he wants us to respond. My prayer is that you respond by allowing the word to be planted in you so that it produces God's will for your life. Until next time, strive to not simply come to church, but to become the church.